Blog Talk Radio. I'm Hemant Mehta from FriendlyAtheist.com, and I took a left of the valley with Kevin and Karen. I woke up this morning, had a burning deep inside. I couldn't hear feel it's all a big lie. Well, we're back. Welcome to Left of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Karen's not with us tonight, but we have a full room anyway. We have the rest of the crew. We have Bethany with us, Mark, and Nancy. Hey, guys. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How you doing? This is a, a bit of an extra show. Uh, we're a bit late. We were supposed to do that this past weekend, but we were at Imagine No Religion 5, so since we didn't want to deprive all our audience, <laughs> our humongous audience of all the goodies, we decided to do an extra show today. Not much on the uh, the agenda. Uh, very simple. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to talk about the uh, aftermath of Imaginal Religion 5 uh, for all of you guys out there that missed it. And at the end, we also have a uh, that interview I finally promised you guys with David Smalley. A um, couple weeks... Uh, where do I start with this? Last week, we had... Last week, last show, we had a show about uh, Diplomat versus Fireman. And I was kind of stuck in a dilemma here because I had two interviews. I had the one with Hemant Mehta, and I also had the one with David Smalley. Uh, but, you know, I couldn't put all of those in one show. That would have been too much. So I thought I'd just give you guys David Smalley today. Um, but we just came back from Imaginal Religion, and I think we might as well uh, we'll get into that very soon. But uh, now we might as well go into what our usual segment of this day in history. That's your call, Nance. Alrighty, here we go. This day in history, which is, I hope everybody knows by now, a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the days between May 25th and June 7th. So starting with May 25th, that was Memorial Day in the U.S. It was also Greek Pride Day and da-da-da-da-da-da, National, that's not a tap dance. What, how do you do the tap? Da-da-da-da-da-da, there we go, National Tap Dance <laughs> My tongue didn't want to tap. <laughs> anyway, I finally got it out. If your tongue is tapping, you might my, want to see a doctor I, about yeah, that condition. My, my tongue was tapping in the opposite direction. <laughs> if your tongue taps for more than four hours, please, please consult the physician. <laughs> I know. What a way to start out. Anyway, 1977 was the year on um, May 25th that Star Wars was released. And not only was Star Wars in itself uh, a great event, but... How many of you guys realized that there was a religion that came out of Star Wars called Jediism? Yes, I'm aware. Yeah, and and there used to be close to 100,000 worldwide, um, but it's kind of waned a little bit. There were about 20,000 in Canada, and that's gone down to about 9,000. Didn't it make it onto the uh, American census? that you could select your religion. Yeah, they they could, but nobody ever took it seriously. But those who were in it and those who are still in it really do take it seriously and they embrace the Jedi code. You know, at 100,000 adherents, that's as serious (laughs) as Scientology at some point. Yeah, but Scientology has maintained, you know, its membership, but Jediism 
uh, with the code, um, it is waning pretty fast. I guess it wasn't the religion they were looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll go on to some other kind of, you know, woo-woo re- religion. But um, just, the, just so we don't forget the four Jedi truths, it's just there is no emotion, there is peace, there is no ignorance, there is knowledge, there is no passion, there is serenity, and there is no death, there is the Force. <laughs> and I looked all over to see if there was a group in Vancouver, you know, that maybe we could invite on, but they sadly... Oh, I just might convert to that now. <laughs> now that you've got the truth, it's only better. <laughs> Okay, May 28th is Downfall of the Derg Day, and Dergs are in Ethiopia, and it's a military rule. And in 585 BC, there was a solar eclipse, which was predicted by a Greek philosopher named Thales. And the only reason it's mentioned is because it's an event that um, is significant because of the timing of the eclipse. And the timing is relative to our own time and can be calculated with some precision. So here's a fun fact, as I, Mark, I know you like uh, words. Um, do you know what the words? Mark likes words. Yeah, <laughs> I tend to use them regularly. Yeah, yeah. You like good ones. I do. Yeah. And do you have any idea where the word eclipse originally came from and what it meant? No, but tell me, please. Okay, yeah. This is a little quick pop quiz. It's from eclipses from the ancient Greek and the word for being abandoned. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you never think it was. No. No, so it's, uh, now you can add that to Thank your you. lexicon. You're very welcome. In 1934, near Calendar, Ontario, the Dion quintuplets were born, and they became the first quintuplets to survive infancy, and pretty regularly now in multiple births, but back then it was a rare event. Mm-hmm. May 29th, Democracy Day in Nigeria, and in 1953, Edmund Hillary... Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay became the first people to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And that happened to be Norgay's birthday, so significant in a lot of ways. That's one way to celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. May 31st, World No Tobacco Day, the Confederation Bridge opens, linking Prince Edward Island with mainland New Brunswick. And I was born. Ta da! <laughs> that should have been in your history notes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I I'm not a hundred percent. I learn that every week. And anyway, June first, um, in 1869, the voting machine was patented by who else? Thomas Edison, who patented just about everything else yeah, in those years. Did he design it, or was it just a patent? Well, he designed it and and patented. Okay. I think he had help. I, I don't think he did it all by himself at that point. Uh, 1908, uh, this is one of those little quirky things, that guy by the name of John Crone began a walk around the perimeter of the U.S., and it took 357 days. And he had an idea on how to make money, so he had a wheelbarrow and pushed this wheelbarrow, and he sold little trinkets along the way. That's surprisingly quick. Yeah, he didn't. He went all the way around. That seems really quick to me. Yeah. yeah. 350. Oh, yeah. I thought you yeah. said he quick. No, no, no it was quick. Yeah. yeah, it was quick. Um, he went 9,024 miles, wore out 11 pairs of shoes, 121 pairs of socks, 
and three rubber tires. <laughs> but when he got back, he wrote a book about it, and that's kind of that's kind of fun. Uh, another bridge, 1927, the Peace Bridge between Canada and the U.S. opens that connects Buffalo and the town of Fort Erie, Ontario. So moving to June 2nd, um, that's Province Day in the Solomon Islands, and this this is such a good story. 1901, Benjamin Adams was arrested for playing golf on Sunday in New York. They had uh, they had laws that you could not play, you couldn't do a lot of you know leisurely activities on Sunday because that was the Lord's Day. So Adams, who just happened to be an attorney, do we smell that this might be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. Right. So he belonged to a country club um, called the Seagull Golf Club. And so when he played golf, of course, it was in violation of the local ordinance. So the case was tried before a a judge and a jury of Adams' peers. And one of the guys who came to help support him was uh, such a peer that he actually came in his golf clothes. And the judge said, uh, no, so he was... I wonder if you're biased, sir. Yeah, not very biased. But, you know, here... Here's Adams is an attorney. He's got an attorney. The judge is there. So it, it was serious, but I, I think there was kind of some an, an underlying agenda here. So anyway, so the, the 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 guy Bell, who was dressed in his golf clothes, he gets thrown out. And Adams' lawyer built his defense on two tactics. First, he ridiculed the laws as seeking to make infants of grown men and women. And uh, he, his quote was that he's putting adults in the boots of a small boy. And then he, he told a story about a little boy that said, well, what's heaven like? And the mother said, well, every, every day in heaven is Sunday. And the little boy said, well, I'd rather go to the other place. <laughs> <laughs> I like this lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I like that lawyer, too. The judge was not amused, but everybody else was. So the second defense was, a really substantial point that the uh, the local statute forbade Sunday rec- recreation on public ground, and this was private. And the judge always used the word public sports when he read the law to the jury. So the defense objected, and the judge finally admitted that he'd misread the law and went to the jury. The jury was out for 45 minutes. I think probably 44 of those were spent playing cards and (laughs) and smoking. (laughs) And they came back, and voila, he was innocent, and that led to the repeal of Sunday. But it's just one of those little cute stories, you know, of how things evolve and why they evolve. I like his tactic, though. Yeah, Yeah, you know, instead of children's laws. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It, it was great. Um, in 1928, Velveeta cheese was created by Kraft, so there's a cheesy story there. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good yeah, day. I don't know. June 3rd. <laughs> I would disagree. Yeah, June 3rd, 1889, the Canadian Pacific Railway is completed from coast to coast. June 4th, Tiananmen Square protest in 1989. Um, you know that guy that uh, in front of the tank? Yeah. They never yeah. identified him. No, they didn't, didn't no. they? No. They did execute the, the poor fellow, but nobody knows who he is. Did they that? No. I believe, well, I so, so they say. I don't know. I have no idea. No. No, I think it's, it's maybe the fact that he's anonymous, you know, yeah. stands for everybody. Maybe saved him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be. Um, it's always good to look up a certain date and see if anything was published in terms of atheism, and sure enough, on the 4th, uh, last year, there's a publication of a paperback named Atheists Can't Be Republicans. 
and if, and it says atheists can't be Republicans, and then the the, uh, the little other definition is if facts and evidence matter. <laughs> I mean, just you know, who cares about facts and evidence? You know? <laughs> when you're a Republican. When you're a Republican, right? And you've got you got religion and gerrymandering. Who the heck needs facts and evidence? Well, Dave Silverman would strongly disagree with you. He's a yeah. conservative. Yeah. <laughs> um, the book happens to be by a guy named C.J. Worlman, who is an Australian. Do you know who he is, Kevin? Uh, not, not personally, but I've uh, I've heard many things about him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's in the same branch as J.T. Everhart and that, that stuff. Yeah, he is. Okay, so he, um, if anybody wants to add that book, it's now out in paperback. Um, and he says if atheists apply the same litmus test to their political ideology as they do to theology, clearly atheists can't be Republican. June 6th, we just had a historic event last Saturday. Um, anybody know what the historic, a really historic event? Imagine no religion, five? No. <laughs> does, the, does the name American Pharaoh click? Yes, anybody. that was the horse. That's right. American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown after 37 years. The last horse to win was affirmed in 1978, and uh, American Pharaoh is only the 12th horse in history to win the Triple Crown. So he broke, yeah, broke the long stretch and, and proved that it's not the race, it's the horse. That needs to win it. So June 7th is Journalist Day in Argentina, and we'll end with a nice, fun Canadian fact in 1989. Wayne Gretzky won. The great one. The great one won his ninth NHL Heart Trophy in 10 years. So, and that, dear listeners, brings us to a close of another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you so Very much, Nancy. Now on to the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. Okay, we're back. Now... Let's get into this discussion yes. about what you thought about Imaginal Religion 5. Before we get all that, maybe we should explain to people that might not know about Imaginal Religion what it is. This is true. Why, somebody want to take it over? Yeah, why not? So it's a conference that's now in its fifth year, mm-hmm. that's um, been held in Kamloops for four years. This year it was Richmond, near the airport. Get, get closer to the mic, Mark. This year it was Richmond, near the airport. And they bring in a number of guest speakers on several topics, atheism, religion, Mm -hmm. science, and uh, you get to mingle with some famous guests, and it's just a damn good weekend. Yes. It's actually put on by uh, Bill and Kathy. Uh, Bill, oh jeez, what's his last name? Lidwood? Lidwood. Lidwood. So I always massacre his name. Sorry, Bill. (laughs) He's a great guy, and uh, like you said, he used to do this out of Kamloops, and it's, uh, it's grown leaps and bounds. And so much, you know... Thanks have got to go to Bill and Kathy for organising it. Oh, absolutely. Because some of us would never get a chance to see these people and talk to them without their efforts. 
Mm-hmm. It's been so good. Should we go uh, briefly through the list of the guests that we have? Yeah, this year's guests would be good. Beth, you want to say something, or are you frozen? <laughs> Poor Beth. <laughs> a little bit, though. <laughs> well, we'll make you talk for a bit, so oh. to wake you up. Yeah, give us a list of the guests. Okay, well, um, there was Vicky Garrison, mm-hmm. who um, had a lecture on how to talk to a fundamentalist. Ian Mitchell referred to um, refer madness, how to go forward with evidence. There was the Unholy Trinity, yes. which was Seth Andrews, Matt Dillahunty, and Aaron Ra, which was fantastic. They also unfortunately said that apparently it's going to be their last time to do the Unholy Trinity, on that format anyway. Yeah. yeah at least under that title, yeah. 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 Um, uh, second day was Christopher DiCarlo. Probably one of the bravest men out there. Yeah, for sure. He's uh, That's his fifth year there, and he's so interesting every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he goes through a lot of harassment. Yeah, seriously. Well. Yeah. I yeah, was shocked by that. We'll, yeah. we'll bring him back just to go on that. Yeah. And I may get this name wrong. <laughs> Sazial Saheed Al Mutar. Faisal. 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 Close. Close. Take <laughs> <laughs> it till you make it. <laughs> um, and he did a lecture on liberalism and secularism. And we also had Robert Price, Imagine No Jesus. Yeah, Robert Price is uh, known as, he has a podcast called uh, The Bible Geek. Definitely and, worth checking out. Oh yeah, and the man, uh, the man's knowledge of everything Bible is incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> Sorry, don't let me interrupt you. <laughs> and um, Peter Bogosian, which we've already had before, and he's always excellent My as well. My man, Ben Peter. And Mariam Mazzi, which I think is, she is fantastic. We've, she's been at one of the conferences before, and she's always inspiring. And there was Richard Dawkins and um, Lawrence Krauss. Who are they? <laughs> some, some two bit of old yeah. fellas, not too sure. Yeah, keep an eye out for them, because, you know, they may do well. Yeah, they might. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure. You think they, you think right they might stuff. have a career? I, I mean, think they might From yeah. beginners, they were doing Yeah, they okay. weren't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely rising stars. <laughs> um, on the last day, we had Harriet Hall and Skeptic, Skeptic Magazine. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Jerry Coney. Jerry Coin. Coin. They need to spell the names better, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Jerry? You need to change the spelling of your name for Bethany. <laughs> he gave an interesting talk on why we don't have free will, caused a lot of controversy, but had yes. some very interesting points. It's very interesting, too, coming from an uh, evolutionary biologist like himself to talk about free will. Yeah, I thought that cool. was very, yeah. very interesting. Well, he covers just about everything in his articles. Uh, is, is his, artic- his pods, uh, not his podcasts, but his uh, blogs are if ev- if why evolution is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he covers quite a, quite a bit. He's a wonderful writer. He's got a great voice, too. Yes. Really? Oh, really? Yes. And he he was on the Seth Andrews uh, Thinking Atheist podcast yeah, that long yeah. ago explaining exactly what it was talking about. Then, of course, we had Lawrence Krauss for another hour, and he spoke about um, turning metaphysics into physics, which was very interesting. It was. Mm-hmm. It was always interesting. And then we had the keynote speaker of the day, which was Carolyn Porco. Mm-hmm. And... She was very inspiring as well. Now, Carolyn Porco, in case you, you guys don't know out there, um, 
She worked with Carl Sagan. She works at NASA. She's in charge of the Cassini mission, uh, which was around Saturn. She was also, uh, the, the rumor is, she was also the inspiration for the character of Ellie in the movie Contact mm-hmm. that was based on Carl Sagan's book, where she was played by uh, Jodie Foster. Yeah, and she organized the um, event the day the Earth smiled a couple of years ago. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, she she essentially, well, we'll get more into her later, yeah. she redid the uh, uh, Pale Blue Dot. And uh, it's the same talk that she gave last year in Imaginal Religion 4, okay. which, but it was still as inspiring. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it started off quite dry, but when she got into... You you need the, to get closer to your mic. It started off quite dry <laughs> when it was just the normal photos and stuff, but mm-hmm. at the end, it really was inspiring. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so... Nancy, feel free to jump in and get questions. I know you no, weren't there, but... I, no, I just I'm just sitting here, you know, drinking it all, literally just drinking it all in. <laughs> Mark's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. So on radio, so Mark didn't see you. A lot of us, obviously for you, so, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. so I could get a word in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. For me, you go to these events because you hear the um, names of Krauss, Dawkins, and the Unholy Trilogy. But I always take away from it much more from the lesser-known people. Mm. It was so good. Harriet Hall talking about the damage that religion can do. Oh, yes. And Christian scientists. I was getting so angry and kind of just for the deaths that she was talking about that still happen in religion. And this is in the States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I looked at Beth and I think both of us were quite choked just seeing some of this stuff that goes on. Definitely crying after her you know, speech. Yeah, it was, it was a hard speech first thing in the morning it was. on Sunday. Oh you yeah. kind of you forget up here. We're not really mm-hmm. discriminated against. It doesn't affect us too much. But when you hear this stuff, it's so important for us to stand up and speak out. Oh, totally. For the people that can't do it, there was a lot of emotion. Um, yeah. The first one I thought that was very emotional as well was Vicky Garrison. Yeah. Uh, I sure. mean, she came out of the Quiverful movement, which yeah. is that movement, uh, that Christian movement, where they try to have as many kids as possible, and you know. Rumors that many women have not only had a lot of kids, but they suffer a lot of health complications. Yeah, and she and was she, she coming up from a religious background, right? Yeah, yeah. She uh, she. Uh, but her story, I just wanted to get up and go hug her after this. Although I couldn't find her because I, just, <laughs> I don't know you, but I just want to give you a hug because she was you know she was so honest and she was so profound and and um, yeah honest. She, I guess yeah, you, she was. You could not help but feel for her. Yeah. Although she's escaped from this, and now she's uh, she was also named atheist of the year down in the states. Yeah, and she's now helping other women as well. It's so yeah. good. So so we had a, a variety, a large variety of talks of yeah. any kind. Um, what were your impressions on some of the? Uh, we, we talked about some of the people, but the others. You know, we they had there was plenty of time between speeches for people to get up, stretch their legs, mingle a bit. You know, I'm sure you guys bumped into several of them. We did. It was good to meet uh, a lot of people, and they all made themselves so accessible. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, Krauss. Oh, Krauss. <laughs> Seriously, he's just uh, the guy's is like a superstar. He he's, was. Gunsy. He's like your buddy you're taking out for a beer right after. He's there talking to you. Blah blah blah. Time for everybody. He oh, really did. I gotta admit something. Um, I, I guess you know when you have an event like that. The people who uh, who come or who are invited are those who uh, are, are most prone to, to want to be social and to want to interact. I mean that that makes the event. You know, you can go and, and hear a speaker, and, and and there are so many brilliant people in the world. But when you have someone who can not only deliver brilliant speech, but you can sit and have a cup of coffee and talk mm. with them, it makes that whole event. So it makes it personal and intellectual, it and does. you come away feeling. There was no other place I would have ever wanted to be in this yeah. moment than with these people. For sure. Very powerful yeah. experience. 
Yeah, totally. Um, I, I I did something underhand. I must admit, I was a bit sneaky. Uh, before the conference, I, there was a couple of people I really wanted to meet, and I sort of decided to bribe them, the Canadian way. Uh, for example, um, early this year in January, we had an interview with Arn Ra. After the interview, Arn said that he was coming down. And I asked him, "So, what's your poison?" And Arn said, "Well, you know, I like this really dark beer uh, it's called Backhand of God. They can only find somewhere out of Kamloops." Um, so I searched all through the valley to see if I can find it, and the only place I could find is like some, some pub in Maple Ridge. They didn't want to sell me a bottle or anything like that, so I I had to bring something local from the Mission Springs, and he loved it. And for the other guys, like Seth Andrews, I, I he's a big fan of coffee, so I brought him local coffee from Grabber Java upstairs there, you know, uh, fair trade. Just bought him his beans. He's just happy as a clam with that. The rest of them, I did. I said, how do I? make myself a bit of an ambassador. So I decided to bring a whole bunch of bottles of Crown Royal, uh, the apple flavor. Oh, did that go down well? That was oh. so good. <laughs> that was delicious. And I, felt, and I felt really bad there because Krauss opens it up and he, at first he just says, oh, okay, thanks. And he opens it up, he has a couple of zips, wow, this is really good. And then he decides to go, and he comes back to me and says, I can't take this on the on the airplane. What do I do with it? And he wants to give it back to me. He says, oh, just share it with your friends. So he's going around drinking half of it and pouring yeah. the other half to other people. <laughs> and by the end of the evening, uh, Lawrence Krauss looks a bit tipsy. But, but... When he got on the stage, he I, was so professional. You uh, couldn't tell. Exactly. And uh, thank God, because it was a relief, because I'm thinking, yeah. oh my God, I broke Lawrence <laughs> Krauss. We've got him drunk. He's not going to be able to do his speech. Everyone's going to be disappointed. Exactly. He's, he's just going to mumble something, and people are going to take that and post that on Facebook somewhere, and he's going to be <laughs> pissed. But no, no. He just he got on stage... Bam! He just switched. He was certainly keeping your glass full too, but he wasn't. He was totally. He was totally flirting with you and Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got free alcohol out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Seth Andrews too. He he was so good, so professional, and it was like he was doing you the favor he was just such a nice guy he, oh, sorry, you were doing him a favor so sweet yeah. if you ask him for autograph he was like oh thank you for asking I'm yes. like what thank you and, you, and, and you know what that kind of ticks me off it kind of does because I, I, because everybody's so friendly and imagine no religion yeah. I want to see Seth just let his hair down but he's such a professional. Oh, he really he's is so he cannot lovely. help being professional no he can't and part of me wants to just shake him and say Seth relax chill man <laughs> have some crown royal or something yeah <laughs> I thought he but was sweet. Yeah, he he's he's totally he's totally great. But it's like I just wish I could see Seth without the professionalism. I just wish I could see I that. Know, maybe oh, maybe that's him. him. You'd have to get him out of that environment and bring him over here. I don't know if he can get. I don't know if he can get out of that professional. Uh, oh, I'm I'm sure. I mean, when you're on, it's like a, an actor or a musician. When you're on, you're yeah, on. He's extremely on. He's got people there, but you know, you on the off time, you become a real human being, and I bet you he would. Uh, test the theory. Try bribing <laughs> him with alcohol. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> See what happens. Just bring him a coffee with lots of alcohol in it. You know, Top it up with Bailey's. Um, it's um, probably worth mentioning that a lot of the old talks from the last years were all on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure these ones will be on this soon. It will too. be. Oh, it yeah. takes a little while to upload, but yeah. they're, they're all worth watching. Oh. They're all worth watching. Maryam is just amazing. Oh, she was lovely as well. When I went to speak to her afterwards, she was just so friendly, so sweet. She was lovely to talk to. Yeah, there, w- there was a couple of talks that were um, aiming at the Islamic world. Yeah. Her talk, yeah. Faisal Saeed, even Seth Andrews' talk, which I was... Uh, no, oh, sorry, he was talking about Mother Teresa. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, w- I was shocked about that one. 
Because he's not the kind of... Uh, it felt to me that something that Christopher Hitchens would have done... For sure. It that was, would yeah. be on the attack. Seth is not that kind of guy. No, but he stepped was, it up there. No, I know he yeah. didn't. He, t- he, he broke out of that. Uh, yeah, so I was I was quite shocked by that. Um, and Peter Bogosian. He's always good. Yeah, he, but he also aimed at Islam. Yeah, he, he, he took He took on, you know, the whole Islamophobia thing and Islamism, as he calls it. Yeah. And uh, I told him that uh, we'll bring him back on. He wants to come back on to the podcast. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He said somewhere in August. Hopefully we can get him somewhere in August. Yeah, he went to Australia. I think he yes. he might be there as we speak or on on his way. I, I love... He, I, he'll come back. Oh, yeah, I love Peter. He had a great time when he came here to, to Abbotsford Mission. Uh, he still remembers everything about it, you know, and I have a Which great picture with him. He was. Th- when <laughs> he got drunk too. <laughs> when we arranged for him to come, and he was the first one that we had at UFV. He was our our first event. When you talk about this lady being such a sweet person to talk to, Peter. Every time we um, emailed him about any kind of uh, arrangements that we were making or his hotel, it was always. Thank you so much. And he would always email. He, I think, I think Mark, Mark, are you, your stomach growling or I'm something? I'm sorry about that, yes. <laughs> hold, hold on a sec. Yeah, sorry about that, Nancy. No, no, it was just, uh, it was amazing. Um, and it, it endeared me to him immediately because regardless of what the com- the email was, he would always thank you so much for everything that you're doing and uh, complimented and it just, it never failed. And when he came, he was, he's exactly the same. He is the most down-to-earth, nice guy. I mm-hmm. don't imagine he really is. He's just a total sweetheart. Um, I was surprised by uh, the speech from uh, Christopher DiCarlo. I was just going to talk about that for sure, yeah. Uh, as soon as he finished that speech, I called him probably one of the bravest men out there in atheism. He, I, I mean, he's not like a huge name. No. But that what that guy went through as an academic, and what he and he stick to his gun. Lost two jobs, lost two positions of tenure of tenure yeah and now he's uh, sort of kind of blacklisted as an uh, as as uh, soon as because he had to take some universities well let me be the listener here why oh but, um the story was essentially that uh, he he, uh, he he basically had a, a critical thinking experiment that he was doing with the stu- the students and uh, and um, the faculty didn't like it and the way he put it essentially says Universities don't have students anymore. They have customers. And, uh, you know, because of that, he lost two positions uh, of, of tenure. He could have had tenure. And uh, his car... This is in Ontario, right? Yeah. This yeah. is not in the U.S. Uh, his car was vandalized. Because he, he had was, the Darwin fish on the yeah, back. Yeah. Him he, and his wife was almost run off he, the road. His wife was run off the road, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's... And, the other person, surprisingly, had a hanging cross from the yeah, you know, mirror. And this is Ontario. I mean, I was just shocked to hear this because I said, okay, this, you hear a story like that, you're yeah. thinking Texas or yeah, exactly. Mississippi. Oklahoma or yeah. somewhere like yeah. that. Yeah. Back window smashed of the car. Yeah, uh, just just amazing. And he's, he's a very profound uh, academic, and he was doing a speech about uh, inventing a machine that would take human decisions and human bias out of uh, important decisions. Yeah. And it was very interesting. But to, to see, uh, I feel bad for the guy. I feel really, really bad, and I feel bad for you know. And you got to admire also his wife, who stood by him all this time. Yeah. And five years in a row, he comes to imaginal religion. It's like I had no idea. No, and we, he hasn't backed down. It's so no, good. we had him on the podcast for when he did the, his book, uh, "How to Be a Really Good Pain in the Ass," and <laughs> how fitting. 
Yeah, uh, he did a good job of that. And I told her, I told him, we got to bring you back on so you can tell your story and people realize that no, this is not just happening in the states. It's yeah, you don't realize, you don't. You don't. Yeah, you don't you absolutely don't. No, I had no idea. I don't think he mentioned that when you did the podcast. No, no, he all. totally did not mention. That's I was. Why I asked why? You know, I was I had no completely idea. shocked. What a brave soul. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, one that really made me um, wonder was Matt Dillahunty. I was really, really looking forward to meet Matt Dillahunty. Yeah. Because in, in my mind, he's probably one of the best debaters since Hitchens. He is. Um, but the whole time he was there, and there, this is no slight to, to Matt because I, I really I really love him, um, He, f- I, I got the impression that he didn't want to be there. Um, but I managed to get an interview out of him. We went to a little conference room, just me and him, and then he was the Matt we know. Uh, but the time he was down there in the crowd... Uh, he he felt uneasy, you know. He, he didn't seem he didn't have the big smile on or anything like that. But then I realized during his speech, he also mentioned several times that uh, before he became doing the atheist experience and all that, he was afraid of public speaking. So I I'm this is a hypothesis here, but I'm thinking that Matt Dillahunty might not be very uh, comfortable with crowds, and it might just make him very uneasy. I don't know. I- he was at Imagine No Religion 2, wasn't he? And I didn't yep. get that impression there, mm. necessarily. Okay, well, I could be wrong. Maybe it was the end of a long tour. They've been on the road a bit. but Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah. He could be under the weather. There could be a yeah. thousand reasons. But that's the impression I got. I, it was just odd to see that, you know, he's down there. He's, you know, yeah, doing his thing, smiling here a, a bit. But upstairs, as soon as I got upstairs and put a microphone in just his one face... Just one-on-one, it was good. It was it yeah. was great. It was the Matt we knew, yeah. right? Uh, so I thought, okay, well, maybe he is fighting a cold, or maybe he's just, you know, like, like even myself. Like, when it's too big of a crowd and it's a whole bunch of people you don't oh, know, for sure, we, uh, yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, very. A lot of social anxiety. I certainly get yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, what about um, Richard Dawkins? Did you get to talk to him at all? Um, I'm going to keep Dawkins for the end. Okay, let's do that. Then. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> Herod Hall. What do you guys think of her? You know what? I hadn't um, heard of her before. Mm -hmm. I think she was very good. As I say, that speech she gave the talk was just made us angry, made us emotional. Yeah. She was very good. She felt like she felt like your no nonsense granny to me. Yeah, she did. (laughs) Your grandmother that says, you know, what the f are you doing? Yeah. You know, and and she just felt like that. And uh, there was actually an interesting moment there where she was. We were talking about general mutilation and circumcision, mm. and she mentioned at some point that she felt that you know uh, she's not for circumcision, of course, but you know it wasn't that, it didn't seem that big of a deal for her because you know the child doesn't really feel but it. For feel men, it. yeah, for men. Yeah, for <laughs> men yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. There was uh, a little bit of dissent from the crowd at that point. <laughs> absolutely, there was absolutely. A, a little bit calling out that it does actually hurt, and, and I, I was of course surprised at that. It's like, whoa, <laughs> hold <Yeah>. on, guys. <laughs> My perspective on on her saying that was I was wondering if it's just because as a woman she couldn't really understand like how it would be for a man to go through that. I mean, I'm certainly not for it because I don't see any benefits, but maybe she felt she couldn't quite like actually give a give a good answer about it because, you know, it's it's a man's body, not a woman's body. Mm, yeah. So she was talking about adult male circumcision. No, and no, 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 child, child. no child. Oh, yeah, she oh. said n- never, never do yeah. adult. Yeah, I was going. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't advocated okay. it. Oh, all right. But so she said there was times that it could be done, and it wasn't a, that painful at that time. But ideally, it should wait until that person can make their own decision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, we we 
we only got a few little minutes uh, to talk about uh, Ian Mitchell. Uh, I didn't know Ian Mitchell. No, I didn't. Uh, he, he's a doctor, and uh, he, he went and had a, this great presentation on drugs, and he was talking about insight. Yeah. And I was shocked by the level of incompetence from the government that he was exposing there. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought, you know, you think governments, okay, they do have a bit of a bias, they do have an ideology, but I didn't expect it to be that incompetent. I mean, it, when you talk about not knowing nothing at all and making decisions based on uh, on ideology, not listening to the scientists at all. Yeah, that is one that's definitely worth checking out when it comes that to YouTube. That was interesting. That changed my perspective quite drastically. Absolutely. I had an ignorant perspective before, and now I'm actually kind of... You know, even the... I mean, I'm not going to be a guy that's going to say pro-drugs or anything like no. that. No. But <laughs> even the ad campaigns and all that, and you realize, wow, I had no idea this was... How pool. science felt about it, yeah, and the public image that is fed to us is completely yeah. different. So yeah, much false is. information, and that really needs to be looked up so people actually have a great understanding of drugs and effects. So we're going we're going to have him for sure to come back on the podcast. That was posing on drugs. That was quite interesting where you talked about that um, the parents that were cooking up the uh, marijuana for their charge yes. stuff from seizures yes, yes, so yes. they could get the oil extract out of it that, that's in the news I, I, I forget the name of that little girl she gets like um, she has a, a, a abnormal condition that gives her like hundreds of seizures a day yeah she's an epilepsy epi- epi- she's, yeah. yeah. she's the one in Colorado that they yes. actually named the law after was yeah. it that one yeah. I, I thought I was talking about a local one yeah. too but okay but in the end with uh, this oil she's down to two seizures a day maybe exactly yeah. from like a few hundred a yeah. day a hundred seizures a day that means you're getting a seizure what every minute or so it's like you're getting yeah. like a lot and that's a lot yeah. and god knows anybody who's seen a seizure or had a seizure yeah well i guess when you have a seizure you don't really see it but when you when you see somebody having a seizure it's scary as hell yeah it is it's like oh my god you don't know what to do right yeah no that's worth checking out um robert price the bible geek um he was. Um, I thought his speech was interesting, but I was hoping to get a bit more. Um, if you ever heard the Robert Price, he does a lot of nice little imitation with his voice. Yeah. Um, and uh, he didn't have any uh, PowerPoint on his presentation. He just essentially did a bit of an extension of his own podcast. Uh, I was just hoping he would put a, a bit more voice. But great guy to talk to. And <laughs> what you might not know about Price is he's also an artist. Uh, he was actually doing skits, uh, not skits, sketches of superheroes, and he actually made a small, he took a small figurine of The Undertaker, the wrestler. Yeah, from the WWE. And, and yeah. transformed it into a figurine of Arn Raw. <laughs> <laughs> and gave it to him. Yeah. So, <laughs> Robert Price is going to be a very interesting one to, to follow as well. Um, Faisal Saeed Al-Mutal, Al-Mutal, um, his presentation was very short. It was, but he wanted to um, open the floor to questions. Yes, it? yeah, and there was a lot of questions. Yeah, uh, a lot of questions that uh, you know, and uh, the whole the whole point of his lecture was uh, very close to what we saw with uh, Hammond Meta. There was um, we need to reach out to these groups, these uh, atheists in the Middle East, so they don't feel alone. Well, he gave a very when we saw him at UF at um, at Langara. At, yeah, Langara. He was a very quiet um, guy. It, it spoke very. Passionately, I mean, his words are very passionate, but was he also pretty much of a quiet speaker when he was there? Uh, I, Faisal, he he just marked me as a very honest guy, yeah. but he's not he's not a professional speaker. No, not yet. No, 
And you can see that in his speech. So you, you can relate to him with that, saying, okay, this is a, just a regular guy, and he's just speaking his mind. Exactly. He's but not a professional. Sometimes no. you connect better right. with that. Yes. His message was, like, on target, though. Totally on target. But what was his website, Kevin? Was he the Atheist Republic one? Yes. That one he yes. Yeah. That's the one. worth checking out, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's always on the lookout for people that have talents, like translating or stuff, stuff like that. Um, I mean, I speak French. I don't know if I could help there, but otherwise I'm pretty useless. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, the uh, keynote address was Carolyn Porco. Um, the woman is fantastic. She's an inspiration. These really? images, these discoveries. Um, how could how could we summarize that? You know, they almost found life on one of the planets of Saturn. You know, they're yeah, very of, close to that at on this one point. Of the moons they are, yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely amazing. And also as a woman, from being like one of the lead of that project, that in itself is quite mm-hmm. inspiring mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, she gave the same speech as she gave in Imaginal Religion 4. If you don't want to wait for that one to come out, I suggest you look it up, Imaginal Religion 4, Carolyn Porco. Uh, well, the first time I saw that, we all, I almost had tears to my eyes. It was like really, really yeah, awe-inspiring. I did, I did at the end of this it's, one. Yeah, it is, yeah. It well, is so awesome. What atheist? kind of where can they find wonder and awe this is the kind of that, stuff exactly. that is it yeah, how do it. you not find wonder and awe in, in the abyss of space I don't, I don't understand yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't help but remember the the words, the words of Carl Sagan you know with the pale blue dot oh, I know. when he says you know you know, all the wars fighting for this speck of dust on a pale blue dot and you realize wow yeah. uh, it is it is so why are we fighting about you know, it is so pointless what we're doing here, the politics of it all, yeah. the fighting of it all, the the, the 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 human rights, the abuses, everything. It is so pointless for it us is. to do this as a species while we could be out there. And, you know, NASA's budget is like not even 1% of the American budget. Imagine if they took the American budget, which is about 50% for the military, imagine if they just reduced 10% of that and gave that to NASA. Where would we be now? Exactly. And well, if they could get together with the other countries too, forget the borders, just as a human race. Exactly. You'd, you'd have a, a world very close to what we see on Star Trek, I think. Yeah, seriously, you would. <laughs> you know, maybe one day if they do find there's something else out there, that's what will bring us together. Mm-hmm. And of course, last but certainly not least, Professor Dawkins. Yeah. Um, interesting little story, Professor Dawkins came to Vancouver and fell down the stairs. Poor professor Poor and at the airport. <laughs> so he had a, he had a bit of a gash on his face and everything, but you know he seemed in very good spirit. He did, he did. Yeah, uh, he arrived a bit late at the uh, at the conference. It was it was interesting because we're watching a presentation. I can't remember by whom, and all of a sudden you can just hear everybody mumbling, mumbling. <laughs> and then of course, of course, Professor Dawkins comes in and walks down, and he just sits on a random table to a, close to the stage and everybody's like mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. Oh, oh my God, Dawkins <laughs> is here, Dawkins is here. You know? So right away, you know, everybody's like starstruck. Yep, straight over there. Uh, <laughs> which is interesting because everybody's just waiting for the speaker to be done <laughs> to get up and walk to Dawkins and, you know, shake his hand, sign the book, blah, 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 take a picture. Um, he gave me the impression, uh, well, first of all, he was he was very nice. But uh, he seemed overwhelmed by a lot of it at some point. Um, a lot of people wanted to, to, to sign their books and all that, so eventually people are just making a line, and he's just cramming down. He's not even looking up. He's signing the book, passed. Signing the book, passed. It's like, next, next. He knows he's got a ton to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, it must get on top of him for a while, I guess. Yeah. I, 
I I uh, I approached him. I said, you know, I said, Professor, I know you have a busy schedule, but you think you can spare us ten fifteen minutes for an interview? He says, unfortunately, I don't have the time to do it. And you know, you never know until you ask. Yeah, for sure, you have to ask. But he, I I know that he had an interview with Seth yeah. Andrews. Yeah, he did. Which will probably actually appear on the show because this is Tuesday, so he's, I don't know if he's going to be t- on today's show. I don't know. But I mean, we had a quick chat with him. He was fine, wasn't he? Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I can understand why. He might be a little bit worn out now. He's been doing it for so long, oh, yeah. lo- decades. He's been going so. The man, like the man, is seventy-four. He yeah. just turned yeah. seventy-four this year. He's traveling back and forth all the time. He is. The fact that he's still going to these events. Yes, it'd be it'd be tiring for me at my age. I can imagine. <laughs> his age. But it, <coughs> him and Lawrence Krauss together were very good. Just a little fireside chat. Yes. Yes, it was it was a, almost a repeat of the unbelievers in a way. It was, yeah. You know, it was them. You know, they're asking a couple of questions, going back and forth towards each other, and trying to answer some questions from the audience. And they yeah. did differ a little bit at times, which kind of kept it interesting as well. Yes, yes. Uh, overall, long days though. I mean, geez, we left here at seven o'clock in the morning, and by the time we came back, it was eleven o'clock at night. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, dedication. <laughs> but overall. I would recommend anyone to go to these. Oh, absolutely. So worth it. You learn so much. It was a fantastic conference. Um, I've got a nice little moment there. Um, Karen and and, and, uh, Liam were with us, and they're not as into... For me, it was all like, I like to shake his hand. Yeah, Yeah, we do. Like I said, Dawkins is 74. It's probably the only time I'll ever get to see him, ever. So I I could say, you know, I shook the guy's hand. Uh, And I did. Uh, Liam and Karen, not too much into that. And Liam a bit shy about it. Towards the end, I know for that one moment where Dawkins was kind of like by himself there for 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 a few seconds, um, I went to him. And I said, "Thank you, Professor. Thank you for inspiring that young man over there." And he turned around and he saw Liam. He says, "His name is Liam. He's 17. He said uh, he's too shy to come over here, but I want to thank you for inspiring kids like him." And Dawkins went over there. Oh, fantastic! He went over there to shake his hand. Awesome. So so I don't. I don't know. <laughs> great on him, you know, and yeah. great for Liam for, oh, for shaking the man's hand. That says more about the man than any speech he will ever give. Exactly. Yeah. Don't you think? Exactly. Yeah, oh. it does. It really does. So, you know, he could have he just said, yeah, great, and nod or something like that. No, yeah. no, he actually uh, pushed a couple of chairs and went over there to actually shake oh, the man's that's hand. That's so sad. Yeah, that's is. why he's doing this, to inspire kids like Liam it to is. carry the torch and to go on and to become interest. That's his legacy. That's because you never know, right? You never know. You I never mean, know. You, somewhere 30 years down the road, Liam could be a huge name in atheism. I'm he sure. could very well be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, he wants to be a neuroscientist and all that. He could be the next Sam Harris, for all we know. Yep. You know, uh, and you know, that could be a moment, a pivotal moment in a young man's life. And it's also, of course, it speaks highly to all of people that go over there in public to these conferences. For sure. It, it means that, you know, you're willing to expose yourself and you're willing to talk to people about yeah. it and you never know who you're going to talk and whose life you're going to change. For sure. They they want to pass the talks on to other people. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, they're not going to be there forever, right? No, exactly. Nobody gets out of this life alive. <laughs> you know, it, 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 this is going to sound a little Pollyannish, but that's how I am. <laughs> but when, when I think about our Fraser Valley group, several years ago sitting around the table on our Sunday meetings and saying things like wouldn't it be wonderful if someday we could have a conference here and who would we want and it was almost like it was a fantasy to even think that anyone like Dawkins or Krauss would would come and yet 
here, you know, you talk about the inspiration. He was here, and you guys had a chance to be mm -hmm. surrounded by other people who had the same passion, who were willing to share and willing to talk. And that's a success of a of a, an event like this, you know, to bring people together that you never would have imagined. Yeah, you for know, sure. That would be close enough so that you could actually go and meet them. So from yeah. from two it and a half years to now, to me, it's just an, an amazing, amazing, you know. It was a nice uh, mix as journey. well. Sorry, Nancy. Yeah. Uh, there was a fair few women there, although we'd like to see there's some more. And a nice mix of ages, too. Yeah, totally. And who, 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 I mean, Beth, you can say you had a drink with Lawrence Krauss. I, mean, I know. I mean, <laughs> who else can say that? <laughs> I mean, and I, I wish we, hopefully into the future, we'll get into a, a world where people are more, for lack of a better word, starstruck with people like Lawrence Krauss and Dawkins than with somebody Kardashians like... Kardashians. Yes, I know. Yes, yes. I feel so funny. Like, I, I could see one of those actors, Kim Kardashian walks down the street. I'm not going to give no. two <laughs> I'm not going to care at all I see Richard Dawkins and I cannot put together two words to say to him because I'm so starstruck by no. him but uh, the the man well all of them the real people that's the thing about it they're yeah. brilliant the real people somebody like uh, Kim Kardashian or uh, what's the other one uh, Paris Hilton or whoever <laughs> the, these clowns are they're fake they're famous big. for being famous, and that's it. They've done nothing. Yeah, and you even wonder at that point. And yeah. then, and then you, the, the famous story is that Carl Sagan was such oh. an inspiration to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, yes. How yeah. did you know? How did how did Carl Sagan know at that point that he was talking to someone who not only would carry the torch but would brighten it and embrace yeah. it and pass it to as many people as he could? I mean, that's a seminal moment in someone's life. Yeah. Just, just, I'm, I'm awestruck by the event and what the event does. Yeah, it gives me hope to see that. Yeah, it gives exactly. me hope to see the 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 people you know looking at a brighter future instead of a future of you know get rich or die trying, you know. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, if you're looking at the statistics, uh, atheism and all that is on the way up. It really is. It is. The people who Thank are... God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Certainly in the West at the moment, the no religious belief is certainly going up, which it, is awesome. Yeah, it's certainly going up. And uh, even though on a political level, um, you, you realize that... Uh, the the millennial the generation X my generation and the uh, millennials after that they're not listening to the same people than the boomers are listening to at all yeah exactly so as the boomers disappear into history yeah the world's going to change drastically yeah it will and uh, it'll be great to take a look at that you know. for sure mm -hmm. excellent I just like to yeah of um, course Bob. bring up one piece of news if I can of course before we move on um, about the Saudi uh, Arabia Supreme Court upheld yes. the yes. sentence against the atheist blogger. He's going to get ten years and a thousand lashes. Yeah, and uh, actually, Lawrence Krauss said it on stage. He tweeted about it right away. Yeah, it's as it's, soon as it happened. It is disgusting, Beth. As you say, it's just terrible. Yeah, absolutely terrible. Daring to be atheist, speak your mind, and he has you to get go punished. through that. Yes. Yeah, he's a blogger for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Uh, it's what I've been saying for a long time. You know, I, I've been saying that religion is, is is dying, and like a wounded animal, yeah, is now more dangerous than ever. Yes, this is true. And it's going to go out kicking and screaming, uh, which of course makes you wonder. You know, as an atheist, uh, 
Are you a firebrand? Are you a, a diplomat? How should we tackle the situation? Should you tackle the situation? Yeah, we, yes, we, we have should. to. We yeah. have to be the voice of the people that can't have a voice. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much for the conversation, guys. Thanks, Kevin. And, thank um, you. Since we were segueing slightly into the firebrand versus diplomat, I'm going to play. go ahead and play the, uh, the interview with uh, David Smalley. Uh, do you guys know David Smalley a bit? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, he's uh, the uh, host of the uh, uh, Dogma Debate and Radio Podcast. He's extremely popular in the States. He's not so well known up here, and I'm surprised by that. Okay. Um, I suggested to Bill at Imaginal Religion, bring him up. Uh, in the States, he's huge. Yeah. He's huge. I mean, he's like maybe just slightly under Seth Andrews, if not at the same level. I yeah. mean, they, they, they often compete, both of them, for a charity. So it's to give you an idea. So I'm going to go ahead and play that. All right, my guest today is the, the host of the very popular podcast Dogma Debate with David Smalley and author of Baptized Atheist. His very diplomatic style of challenging believers has earned him accolades, respect, and now has placed him amongst the great names of modern atheism, David Smalley. Hello, David. Hi. Thank you for coming to the Valley. Appreciate that. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. David, your podcast is very popular in the U.S., but right here in Canada, you're not as well-known. Um, can you give us your story? My story? Goodness gracious. Uh, how far back do you want to go? I was 15 years old. I got baptized. Uh, that's the first time I started taking religion seriously. Then when I got baptized, and I thought, you know, uh, if I'm going to be a crusader for Christ, I better know what product I'm selling. So I started reading the Bible, and uh, that in itself pretty much deconverted me, uh, but as you mentioned, my book, Baptized Atheist, is a lot more detailed as far as, far as how, how it actually went, what happened. Um, and uh, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't know a whole bunch of listeners from Canada. I know that we have some, uh, of course, we, we, we hear from people in, I believe, 42 different countries, but, um, but yeah, not a, not a huge, strong listener base. So hopefully uh, this show can give me that valley bump, what do you think? Well, I'm sure hoping so, and hopefully we'll see you up here in Canada in one of the big events like Imagine No Religion. Yeah, I would love to. I almost made it this year and we weren't able to work it out, but uh, hopefully next year. Okay, well, we'll go and lobby for, uh, we know the manager, we'll lobby them for that. <laughs> Excellent. Dude, yeah, let's let's make that happen. Okay. Yeah, so now so now I'm hosting Dogma Debate Radio, and uh, we own, uh, I'm actually the CEO of Secular Media Group, LLC. And under that umbrella, Secular Media Group, we've got Secular Media Network, which is a, a whole branch of other radio shows and podcasts. And uh, Dogma Debate is actually a live radio broadcast that goes out. It's on iHeartRadio. It goes out to multiple different areas. And then it also goes up as a podcast later. And then we've got Secular News Network, um, AtheistAudioBooks.com, where we produce all sorts of, uh, sorts of audio books. And then we've got a bunch of different things going. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty busy. Wow, very impressive. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know... You you're you're known for having a very diplomatic style, and you chose to do atheism the diplomatic way. Why was that? Was that just like a, a natural inkling, or you figured it was just a, a, a better way of uh, challenging people? It, it's really you know I, I just saw a lot of a lot of people uh, ruining conversations that could go very very well, and I see sometimes where um, a believer is in a conversation with with a non-believer. And the believer will say something that the atheist considers completely ridiculous and absurd. And the atheist will say that. Well, that's dumb. Well, that's absurd. Or your Jesus is just Santa Claus for adults. And what I see happen when there's an insult thrown is the believer throws the walls up. They get very defensive. 
They don't want to continue the conversation. If they do, it's now a fight because there's been an insult. And what I found much more effective is to ask questions. It's what's known as a Socratic method, much like what, what Socrates did. I would ask enough questions. And, and let me give you a quick example of how it worked perfectly. I had a, a Christian police officer in the studio, and we were talking, and he was telling me his ideas and his beliefs. And I was just asking questions. I would say, do you believe the Bible is the, is the literal word of the Christian God? And he would say, yes. And I would say, so there's no mistakes in it. Nope. What if it uh, contradicts science? Well, then science is wrong. The Bible has to be right. Okay, so we went through all these questions. He was answering very predictably as a fundamentalist would. And then we got to the end of it uh, where we were talking about Numbers 22 where Balaam and the donkey have a conversation. And I said, do you believe that a man and a donkey had a conversation? He said, well, yeah. And then so we kept on going, and I, I let a little space pro, you know, go in between there. And then I just said, I've got to be honest with you about something. I said, it, it worries me, it concerns me, that you carry a gun for a living and have to make split-second logical decisions, and you believe that a man and a donkey had a conversation. He laughed at himself and said, well, when you put it that way, I sound ridiculous. So let's think about that. All I did was say back to him what he's already told me. He told me he's a cop. He told me he carries a gun. And he told me he believes a man and a donkey had a conversation. But they never put them together like that in their own, in their own sequence. He has completely separated his work as a police officer from this ridiculous belief. So I ask enough questions and take out all the spaces. And, and I, I put them in a situation of having to face this, this cognitive dissonance that they are so trying desperately to avoid. And so that's really what the questions do. The questions are non-threatening. Um, and then occasionally I have opinions, and I kind of call them on stuff. But the questions are a non-threatening way of get them, getting them to hear how absurd the belief is. If I tell them your belief is ridiculous, their automatic response, and if you study anything about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, conflict resolution, management, team building, or psychology, you're going to understand you want someone to defend a ridiculous position, attack it. But if you want someone to change their views on it, ask them questions about it. And when they hear themselves sound ridiculous, they will stop themselves from saying it. And they will be much more effective at deconverting themselves than you can ever be by insulting them. Besides that, I don't think there's any precedent of donkeys testifying in cases in Texas, is there? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but this is Texas. Don't... Uh... Yeah, <laughs> don't count it out. Breath. <laughs> so you obviously feel this approach is much more effective than Firebrand, or do you, do you oh, think do you think that there's a place for both? I do think there's a place for both. I, I personally believe this is more effective. I believe a diplomatic approach is more effective. But I I've also seen how my counterparts like Dave Silverman could act, could could be could be uh, effective with people, and sometimes sometimes getting your belief shocked. Uh, can, can really make you stop and think about it. Now, I, I, I'm starting to learn that I think there are different venues, right? So I don't think you should take a Dave Silverman approach to talk to your grandmother, okay? But if your preacher is screaming at you that this is horrible and you want to snap something back that's going to be a quick uh, sound bite for him to go home and remember or for the congregation to hear you defend yourself, maybe a Dave Silverman approach would work. What, I, what, what this David Smalley approach does is more along the lines of talking with family members and helping them understand your atheism, helping them understand that it's not a phase you're going through, that you're not, uh, you're not just angry at any particular God for any particular reason, uh, that you're not acting out, you're not being rebellious, 
This is a this is a diplomatic, Socratic way of explaining your lack of faith, and also simultaneously having them question their own. Hmm. Interesting. Now, obviously, you guys are did you, okay. You guys are obviously in the thick of it here, as compared to up here in Canada. Um, so, what do you think the, the the status of atheism is on the front line down there in Texas, or in the U.S. for that matter? <laughs> You know, surprisingly, uh, we're doing very well. Uh, a recent Pew Research study just came out that showed how much uh, secular Americans are growing. As a matter of fact, we just covered this on the show last week. Um, the people who identify as Christians in the United States dropped by 8% in the last seven years. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking 350, 360 million people, 8% is a pretty big chunk of people who no longer identify as Christian. Also, the number of people who identified from nuns over to atheist jumped up substantially. So seeing these types of numbers tells us that we're doing the right thing. There's still a lot of threats. There's still a lot of things going on. We still have folks like Sarah Palin, Michelle Bachman, Ted Cruz, Rick Perry running for public office. Oh, and so incredible. we still have work to do. We do still have work to do. But um, it's showing its results. We're getting somewhere. I'm glad to hear that because uh, when I interviewed one of your uh, friends and colleagues or former colleagues on Raw, uh, I was telling him exactly that. Uh, from our vantage point, we see um, religiosity, if you can say, seep across the border. It seems to be trying to spread up here, and I'm quite concerned about that here as a Canadian, because most Canadians are quite apathetic about that kind of stuff. But you can see there's kind of a resurgence, especially creationism. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we actually, it's funny you mentioned that. We, we were here in studio just now with, with Lydia, and she was recording a, a five-part video series on creationism, Darwin, intelligent design, and evolution. And what we're doing is we're putting them up on our login site, which is login.dogandebate.com for those interested to go get extra behind-the-scenes content. And we were, we were uh, recording those videos, and one of the studies she brought up was how creationism has infiltrated multiple countries, including a lot of non-English-speaking countries. So we like to think that creationism is just this American idea, this American poison. It's, it's, in, it's infiltrating many, many countries right now. So we may be sort of winning the battle to some degree in America, but... Places like Canada, like you said, which are very, you know, just sort of complacent with the idea and a little apathetic, uh, that could be very, very dangerous. That could be very dangerous. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like the, the, the scenario of uh, finding patient zero, right? And you found patient zero, but the disease is still spreading in a way. Right. Exactly. <laughs> great, great analogy. <laughs> I wanted to go back to something you, you were saying earlier, and um, you're saying when you attack people, they put their their walls up. And I I know a lot of atheists here will say, well, I'm not attacking you as a person, but I'm attacking your beliefs. But uh, from my experience, um, most Christians are so intrinsically bound in their beliefs that they don't see a difference between themselves and their beliefs. You're exactly right. There's a, there's a concept known as group psychology. Freud coined this in 1921. And what he's getting at here is in order for a group to strengthen, okay, the individual components of that group must be integrated with the individuals of that group. And for the group to become integrated, the individuals must replace a piece of themselves with a piece of the group. And as an example of that, let's take it outside of religion and let's think for a moment about a football game. 
You go to a football game, you see a bunch of guys there with their shirts off. It's, you know, 10 below. And these guys have their shirts off with letters painted across their chest for their team. Well, if you see one guy sitting in his front yard in 10 below with one letter painted on his chest, he's insane. Okay? <laughs> but if you, see, if you see six guys with letters painted across their chest in a, in a crowd full of 50,000, well, that's just group psychology. Why are they able to do that? Well, the betterment of the group, the displaying of the faith in the group, or the pride in the group, the, the group's pride has now overcome the individual's pride. So the individual's pride isn't as, isn't as necessary. The group's pride is more important. Ego, same way. My ego's not as important. I will look like a complete idiot and dye my hair blue and, and, and go without my shirt because it's better for the group as a whole. Well, now, once that has happened, imagine walking up to that guy in the middle of the game, in the middle of the crowd, and grabbing the one guy, there's six of them, but you grab the guy with the L on his chest and go, hey, man, let's talk about this. You're being an idiot right now. Think about this. These are dumb ideas. These are stupid ideas. This L does not matter. You're attacking him. You are attacking him because he has integrated himself with the group. There's no way in hell you're going to get him to back away from that and go, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go home right now, take a shower, and put on a shirt. He's not going to leave the group, okay? So it's the same way. When I hear people say, I can attack your ideas without attacking you, you're being naive. You're saying that, um, that the believer has separated their worldview from themselves, just like you have. And they haven't. No one has said, I am atheism. I can, you can attack atheism, and we can have a perfectly friendly discussion. But if I attack Christianity or say something insulting about Jesus, you take that as a personal insult. So what people need to realize is you have separated yourself from your worldview. The believer that you're talking to has not. And if you go back and watch a movie I made with a Christian filmmaker called My Week in Atheism with John Christie, you will hear him say, I am that religion. I am that belief. I would never say I am atheism. So think about your audience when you're saying that. Whenever you start talking to people and, and you want to challenge their ideas, challenge them. But if you attack those ideas or you insult those ideas or if you ridicule those ideas, that person will take it personally. And you've got to get them to separate that group psychology before they can start having rational discussions about their faith. And I think the way to friendly approach. That, that Great analogy, but by the way, I would say when you're talking to Canadians, you're much better off to reference hockey instead of football. And <laughs> <laughs> then, then it comes right back to the the uh, cognitive dissonance that you were talking about too. That that your questioning method makes people aware of that in a way that they hadn't been before. Right, right. They 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 don't have to think about things. They they won't intentionally think about these things in a row. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for example, here's a perfect example. I was sitting in my mom's living room the other day. And th- there was a tornado, uh, and there was a tornado on the news of how it had just ripped through this entire town. And several people were dead, houses were demolished. Um, and this one lady, they stuck a microphone in her face, and she said, Boy, God sure was watching out for us. And I just turned to my mom and I said, Please tell me you see the problem with this. She's like, No, they're safe, honey. God was watching out for them. I said, Why didn't God just stop the tornado to begin with? <laughs> she says, she goes, well, that's not what they mean. What they mean is they're watched out for. And I said, okay. I said, but what about the hidden implications here of someone who did die two blocks over? Were they not blessed? She said, well, that's not what they mean. I said, then tell me what they mean. 
She says, well, what they mean is they feel special. And I said, okay, if they feel special, that means there's somebody that's not special, right? She just shook her head. Well, no. I said, well, then how does that mean that? She just looked at me, very confused. Well, I don't really know how to explain it, David, but you're making me uncomfortable. I I just said, good, good. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable. My mom has never put the thoughts together on her own that if you say you're blessed, that means someone is not blessed. She's never put them together. And all I did was ask a series of questions, and her inability to answer me told me she was thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, if I would have looked at that TV and said, Oh, my God, these dumb Christians. I can't believe they say that. It's so ridiculous. Your little fairy daddy in the sky doesn't give a damn about you. My mom would have gotten so defensive, she would not be thinking about her position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so you've you become pretty well known as an activist there. Um, how do you deal with what I call apatheists? You know, people that are atheists, but you know, can't be bothered. How do you deal with people like that? <laughs> Well, I try to make them activists. <laughs> I, I try to talk to them about why it matters. And a lot of times what I do is I say, look, just pick a problem in the country. Pick something that, that you think is an issue. And they'll say something like, oh, you know, uh, medical advancements. Okay, let's take medical advancements. We can trace it back to the Catholic Church and why we are forbidden from making scientific research in um, stem cell research is back to religion. You can take um, issues of equality with gay marriage. Of course, that is rooted back to religion. Let's talk about women's rights and reproductive rights and not having health care for women because of all of these uh, um, abortion clinics being shut down. We can trace that back to religion. Let's talk about uh, and even when you look at how, how gays are treated in general, it's typically hatred of women and the feminization of gay men that leads us back to religion to see why we're so aggravated and hateful towards women and so aggravated and hateful towards gays. Almost any problem you pick that's going on in the country can be traced somehow back to religious roots. And when I, when I connect that to something that they are passionate about and they see the religious problems uh, at the root of it, a lot of times they're like, you know, maybe that's what I need to get involved with. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, my my personal beef was always environmental. And uh, I... Uh, yeah, I just can't figure out why people can't see the, the simple phrase, you know, that uh, you have dominion over the earth and do what you will is at the base of everything that's capitalism and... Anyway... We could go on that forever. <laughs> exactly. No, you're, you're exactly right. That's another great point. Environmental, uh, poor treatment of animals. Yeah, totally. If God, God gave us dominion over animals. Who cares if they're in tiny cages and beaten and chained to the ground? Why not eat veal? Why, why, why do we need to care if the chickens are cage-free or not? Why does any of this matter? God, God gave us dominion over the earth. So if, you, if you're passionate about the environment, if you're pa- oh, same way with climate change. Mm-hmm. Well, if God created this earth for us, there's nothing wrong with the climate. It makes people stick their fingers in their ears and not take care of the earth and the animals and the women and the people and the equality that we should be fighting for as humanists. So these people who don't care and don't believe, all you've got to do is find out what they're passionate about and trace the problem back to religion, and they're very likely to get involved. Yeah, and the same thing with racism, right? And it was perfectly normal to say this person was not human, therefore this person was just another animal, and therefore exactly. racism and how much, came along. how much the Bible was used mm-hmm. in the Civil War to justify slavery 
taken the uh, you've taken this one step further with founding Secular Media Group. What are your plans for this project? What do you plan on doing with all this stuff? You know, I want to grow uh, a network of like-minded folks that are putting out excellent content. Um, we've got. So you're not going to have us on the group anytime soon, then. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. We will have to talk about that. Um, we, we we like to pride ourselves on having very high quality content, very high quality produced content, um, and and it's not just the network. There's the network, and then there's the news network. We're looking for writers, bloggers, opinion pieces, journalists, stringers, uh, videographers who want to go out and do man on the street type interviews. Um, you know, as far as the, the uh, secular news network piece of it, and then we've got atheist audiobooks. We're producing and, and directing and recording audiobooks. I think we just finished our 18th book, and we've got six more in production right now. We've partnered with Audible and iTunes to make these books available to people all over the world. Um, the, we're, we're just continuing to grow, continuing to reach more people. If I had to sum it up in one sentence, what's my goal? It's to educate the public. That's the point. It's to educate the public. Neil deGrasse Tyson told me, he said, you know, you can, you can sit around and complain and make jokes about Congress and the president. No one person is going to fix this. Mm-hmm. The people who are complaining about our governor are the people who put them in office. And so we don't need the right guy in office. We don't need the right Congress. We don't need the right president. If we could just get Obama or, or Hillary elected, then all these problems would go away. It, that, that's a naive way to look at it. He said the point is the public is ignorant of these issues. So we need to educate the public. So that's what we're trying to do through multiple broadcasts, through entertainment, through secular news, through blogs, opinion pieces, videos, YouTube channels, uh, atheist audiobooks, whatever it takes. We are trying to educate the public. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're doing, you're doing a great job at it, by the way. Well, I, thank you. I'm a fan. I've actually uh, downloaded the, audio, the audiobook Audible uh, thing uh, app, so I'm going to be a customer as well now. <laughs> Excellent. Well, here's your chance, my friend. Uh, Unless you had another question, Carrie. No, no. Perfect. Here's the mic is all yours. Plug yourself. Be shameless. Go right ahead. I've kind of been doing that the whole show. <laughs> yeah. well, if you got anything else to add, kind of walk around as a. I'm kind of a human billboard uh, because, like I said, the whole point is to uh, uh, is to educate the public. So it's not that I'm trying to promote me; it's I'm trying to promote all of the resources we have for people to to come and take part in. You know, there are some people who like more firebrand stuff. Well, we've got firebrand shows on Secular News Network. Uh, the website to go to, secularmediagroup.com or secularmedianetwork.com. Right now, they're going to the same place. Uh, secularnewsnetwork.com, where we just broke a story of a, um, a former Baltimore police officer who revealed some behind-the-scenes uh, information about the Baltimore Police Department, uh, some internal racism going on, some cops that were arrested, uh, even you know some, 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 some pretty vital things were happening behind the scenes there in Baltimore. We had a former Baltimore cop on the air talking about it, and that turns into a, a secular news network.com news release. Um, and then, of course, atheistaudiobooks.com and dogmadebate.com. We're kind of all over the place. I just got off a seven-week tour where we were doing live Dogma Debate radio episodes uh, for, you know, UU churches, universities. I was doing live debates. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on. So I would encourage people to go to dogmadebate.com, listen to the episodes, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, sign up at login.dogmotivate.com for even more content if we're not giving you enough already. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, you know, your secular media group, uh, is it strictly a U.S. thing for now, or do you plan to have international plans after that? Do you plan on growing it out of I, the country? I think international would be a good step. I really do. I think it would be a good step. Well, we thank you for all that you do because we love your podcast. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. You, yeah. you got friends north yeah, of the border yeah. there, David. 
So keep doing it all. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, David, and good luck on 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 all your projects out there. All right, thank you, and thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Our pleasure. Thank you. And yes, that was David Smalley. Great guy. Had a great time. Great, great time. Well, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, one thing I just want to stress out before we go um, is in everything that's been going on in this show today. All these people, all these, uh, uh, all these uh, speakers that have been going on. Uh, you notice one thing here: is all of them stood out into the light, and they're trying to make a difference. You know, from uh, Richard Dawkins to David Smalley to uh, uh, Faisal Saeed uh, to even the people attending, whether it's Bethany or Mark, myself, or the people wishing to be there, you know, it's high time to actually step out into the limelight and actually speak as one because one person will never change uh, the world, but all of us together probably will. You, my friend, are not alone. Well, that's it for our show. Um... Next show, we'll have uh, Damien Gillis. Our friend Damien Gillis is coming back, and we'll be talking about the Sightsee Dam. It's been in the news lately. We'll see what's going on with that. Until then, 